Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. As I got out of the car in the parking lot this morning, I met a young lady out for a walk, uh, someone I had never met before, and uh, she said, Good morning and Happy Easter. And so I responded, Well, good morning to you and Happy Easter to you. And then she said, Jesus Christ is risen. And I said, he is risen indeed. And so I want to uh, uh, say to all of you, I want to greet you in the name of our Lord, but I also want to greet you in the name of the Christ who is resurrected, who has ascended to the Father, and who is one day going to return to take us home to be with him in glory. So, Jesus Christ is risen And he is risen indeed. I want to say that uh, this is the first Easter that I could ever recall where I have not been with family, my own personal family or with my church family. And it's kind of odd. It's kind of strange. It feels weird uh, to uh, not be with you. Uh, to not fellowship with you, to not share with you in the early, early morning hours at sunrise service or around the table uh, enjoying an Easter morning breakfast uh, that Heather and her crew provides for us. And we missed that this morning, Heather. Uh, to miss the music uh, that Pastor David and the uh, team provides for us, the worship team provides for us. I miss the congregational singing of the Easter songs and the Easter hymns. I miss the fellowship of brothers and sisters in the Lord on this Easter day. But I want to thank you uh, for your being positive and your being supportive and you're being cooperative during this time of our, uh, some would say incarceration, but our time of restriction so that uh, uh, we keep our spirits up and we keep in touch with each other through our phone calls and through our cards and our emails and texts. It is a blessing to me uh, to know that uh, all of you are working through this time of Um, the pandemic and uh, that you're keeping your mind focused on what God would have us to do and what he would have us to learn uh, from this time. I also want to thank you for your encouragements. Uh, Some of you have sent me some very insightful uh, texts and emails that I appreciate very, very much. I want to thank Evie Abasta for uh, her uh, sharing with me how she is dealing with uh, the confinement to her home. Uh, One of the things that she stated was that, uh, you know, we don't uh, have a problem with where we're going to uh, go for Easter service today. Um, that's pretty much decided for us. We'll either be in the living room or we'll be in the den watching TV. But you do have a choice as to who you're going to be watching uh, for the Easter service, and I thank uh, you for tuning in to the First Baptist Church here in Winton for our 
service this morning. As far as I know, no one in our church family has contracted the COVID-19 virus, but I do know that we have friends um, who have and some family members who have come down with the virus. We pray that God will bless them with strength and with health to endure the time of this trial. I want you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 24. The Gospel of Luke chapter 24. Take your Bible and turn there for the reading of the Easter story. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened that while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling apparel. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James, Also, the other women with them were telling these things to the apostles. And these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen wrappings only, and he went away to his home, marveling at that which had happened. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were conversing with each other about all these things which had taken place. And it came about that while they were conversing and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still, looking sad. And one of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty indeed and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him up to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb earlier in the morning and did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, 
O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going. And he acted as though he would go further. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. And he went in to stay with them. And it came about that when he had reclined at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it. And breaking it, he began giving it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said one to another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they arose that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. And they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. And while they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do, you, why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. This is the word of the Lord. May he add his blessing to the reading of the word. On October 16, 2018, Ligonier Ministries in concert with LifeWay Resources reported in the State of Theology that 47% of professed Christians, 47% of professed Christians in the U.S. do, uh, excuse me, 47% of professed Christians in the U.S. believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ which means 53% of professed Christians in the U.S. do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus. On April the 16th in 2019, Michael Haverluck, a reporter with One News Now, reported that 46% of professed Christians in the United Kingdom, that is Great Britain, believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That means in Great Britain, 54% of professed Christians do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus. I find that not only astounding, but also alarming. Because the underlying truth of Scripture is the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross was buried in a borrowed tomb and then resurrected three days later. The Old Testament prepared for it. The Gospels presented it. And the remainder of 
the New Testament proclaimed it. There is no Christian faith apart from the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You may profess to be a Christian, but your profession does not necessarily mean the truth of the matter. If you do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then you do not believe in the truth of Scripture. And your profession then is an invalid profession. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 19. Follow along as I read. Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain and your faith is also vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if indeed the dead are not raised." For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. So again... A profession of faith in Jesus Christ without a belief in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a false profession. It is a faith that is empty. It is a faith that is not valid according to biblical truth. And yet, 53% of professed Christians in the United States and 54% of professed Christians in Great Britain do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I guess my Old Testament professor in college, Dr. Cecil Hyatt, was right when he said, the further we get away from the cross in time, the further we get away from the cross in truth. But the good news, the good news is that Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep, the Apostle Paul wrote in verses 20 through 22. For since by man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. So let me ask the question to you this morning. What does the resurrection of Jesus Christ mean to you personally? What does the resurrection of Jesus Christ really mean to you? According to the text that we just read, because Jesus has been raised from death, everybody... Everyone will someday be raised from death. 
1 Corinthians 15, verses 22 and 23 states that Jesus is the first fruits of those who will be raised. The first fruits. That simply means he is the promise that everybody else will be raised from the dead. Now there are two resurrections that are mentioned to us in scripture and I'm not going to get into this in detail. Uh, That's a discussion for another time. But in John chapter 5 verses 24 through 29 Jesus said that some people will be resurrected to eternal life and some people will be resurrected to eternal judgment. Those who are resurrected to eternal life are the righteous, the saved. And that resurrection will occur in a series of resurrections called the first resurrection. The Christian church will be resurrected at the rapture. The Old Testament saints and the tribulation saints will be resurrected at the beginning of the millennial kingdom. The millennial saints will be translated or transformed at the end of the millennial kingdom. But the unbelieving, the unrighteous, will be resurrected after the close of the millennial kingdom. This is called the second resurrection. And it is a resurrection that will take place at the great white throne judgment of God in Revelation chapter 20 verses 11 through 15. These who are resurrected at that time will receive the judgment of eternal death in the lake of fire. But the point here is simply this. The resurrection of Jesus Christ guarantees that there is a future resurrection of all people. Some to eternal life, others to eternal punishment. This morning, I want to focus our attention on a different aspect of the resurrection of Jesus. I want you to look at Luke 24, verses 38 through 40. Luke 24, verses 38 through 40. The two disciples who had met Jesus on the Emmaus Road had gone back into Jerusalem to find the disciples and the other followers of Christ to tell them of the experience they had with Jesus. And verses 38 through 40 states that while they were telling these things, he himself, that is Jesus himself, stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is about salvation completed. It's about the defeat of Satan and sin forever. 
It's about the permanent removal of God's judgment from those who repent of sin and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's about the fulfilled promise of God to his son, Jesus Christ, and to all who believe in him and receive him. But it's also about renewal and restoration. And I want to focus our attention on that aspect of the resurrection of Jesus for a few moments. First of all, there is the renewal and the restoration of life. The renewal and the restoration of life. The angel said to the women who first visited the empty tomb in Luke 24 verses 5 and 6, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Jesus had been restored to life, but not just his former physical life. He was restored to the fullness of life, which included the glory that he had set aside when he became incarnate, Jesus Christ. In John chapter 17 and verse 1, did not Jesus pray, Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you? And in chapter 17 and verse 5, did he not say, Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Did he not say to the two disciples on the Emmaus road in Luke 24 verse 26, Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? All that Christ enjoyed in eternity was restored to him after his resurrection. And the same will be true for those who believe in and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There will come a day when the glory we once had will be restored. It will not be the same glory that Jesus Christ has, but it will be the glory that we had before sin came into the human experience. It's the glory of God's image fully restored in us. It's the restoration of full and complete fellowship with God with no restrictions, with no reservations, with no restraints. It's the restoration of our lordship over all of the earth, just as God planned for us in Genesis chapter 1. Except this time, it will be over a new earth. And I'll speak to that point in just a few moments. Second, there is the renewal and the restoration of the physical body. Not just the renewal and restoration of the life, but the renewal and the restoration of the physical body. Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 24, verse 39, See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones that you see that I have. Jesus was resurrected in a physical body. 
Everyone who saw him saw him in a physical body. He had flesh and bones. He could see and hear, touch and walk and talk and eat. People could touch him and hold on to him. For the life of me, I cannot understand how some Christians and how some Christian scholars can read the resurrection accounts of Jesus Christ in the New Testament and believe that Jesus was not resurrected in a physical body. To deny that is to deny the truth of Scripture. The physical body of Jesus was renewed But it was not just renewed a physical body. He was restored to a glorified, eternal, physical body. Now what does that mean? Well, first of all, it means that it was still a human body. Flesh and bone. Something that he did not have before the incarnation. But something he will always have throughout eternity future. Many of the characteristics of his physical human body were retained in his glorified, resurrected body. To a a degree, he appeared to be the same after the resurrection as before his death. People recognized him when the Spirit of God opened their eyes to see him. To a degree, he retained the functions that he had prior to the crucifixion. He also retained the physical scars of the crucifixion. But other aspects of his glorified body are truly beyond our ability to understand. When Stephen was being executed outside the city of Jerusalem for his profession of faith in Jesus Christ. As he was dying, he saw, he was permitted to see up into heaven and he saw Jesus Christ, the resurrected Christ, at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Saul of Tarsus met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, the resurrected and glorified Jesus Christ. He appeared to John on the island of Patmos near the end of the first Christian century. He will return someday to establish his kingdom here on the earth. And his returning will be in a physical, glorified, resurrected body. It's a body that defies the physics of a normal human being. And yet it is still... A physical human body. And as I stated, he will have this physical, glorified, resurrected human body forever. Because even in his resurrection, his humanity is forever joined to his deity. The same will be true for those who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you want to turn there with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 39 through 44, the Apostle Paul writes, All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of men and another flesh of beasts, 
and another flesh of birds and another of fish. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly one and the glory of the earthly one is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for stars differ from stars from... Excuse me. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown a perishable body. It is raised an imperishable body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So there are differences in the body that we have in this life now and the body that we will have in the life which is to come. The body that God designed for us before sin entered the human race will not just be renewed, it will be restored and then some. Now, some people have asked, what will this glorified resurrected body be like? Will I look the same as I do now? If I'm old, will I be young? If I'm bald, will I have hair? If I'm fat, will I be thin? If I am a Forrest Gump, will I become like an Albert Einstein? Those are really foolish questions. And some of them are meant to be humorous. But I know some of you didn't laugh. But that's all right. John answers these questions this way in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2 Beloved now we are the children of God and it has not appeared as yet what we will be we know that when he appears we will be like him because we will see him just as he is i don't know what i am going to look like when the lord raises me from the grave and i Put on the new glorified humanity. I don't know what you will look like. But I do know this. Whatever it will, will be, it will be according to the body that Jesus Christ himself has. We will see him as he is. We will be like him. We know from Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4 that for the resurrected saints there will be no more death, no mourning, no crying or pain for the first things, the former things of this life will have passed away. Third, there will be the renewal and the restoration of fellowship with God and with others and with those that we have never met. In his incarnation, Jesus left the courts of heaven to walk among us for some 33 years. His fellowship with God the Father was maintained here on the earth, but not 
in the fullness of the fellowship that he enjoyed in heaven before his incarnation. Remember, when Jesus was here, he prayed to the Father. When he was here, he listened to the voice of his Father as he spoke his will to Jesus Christ each and every moment, each and every day. And don't forget, on the cross, our sins were imputed to Jesus. When Jesus became sin for us, God the Father abandoned him. That's why Jesus cried out in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 46, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The word forsaken means not just to turn one's back upon another, but to completely abandon another. Jesus was cut off from the fellowship he enjoyed with the Father up until that time. There was no physical, no emotional, no mental support for Jesus on the cross from anyone, not even from his heavenly Father. Wayne Gruden makes the point by stating, quote, He faced the weight of the guilt of millions of sins alone. End quote. As a result, the full wrath and fury of God for sin was poured out upon Christ. Again, Wayne Grudem reflects on this point by stating, quote, Jesus became the object, the object of the intense hatred of sin and vengeance against sin, which God had patently had patiently stored up since the beginning of the world. Let me read that again. Quote, Jesus became the object of the intense hatred of sin and vengeance against sin, which God had patiently stored up since the beginning of the world. End quote. I can't even begin to imagine the horror that Jesus experienced on the cross. Not only when he became sin for us, when all the sin of all of the world was placed upon him, but at the same time, and because that sin was imputed to him, God abandoned him. Total, complete abandonment on the cross. But after his death and resurrection, that perfect, complete, sweet fellowship with God the Father was restored. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, the Apostle Paul wrote, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The fellowship that Jesus had with God the Father in eternity past was fully and completely restored. 
after his death and resurrection. Jesus Christ is now ascended to heaven at the right hand of the Father, the place of honor, the place of fellowship, the place of power and of authority. And the same will be true for those who love Jesus Christ and honor him as Lord and Savior in their lives. The fellowship once enjoyed by our first parents in Eden will be restored in the new heaven, the new Jerusalem, and in the new earth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 12, the apostle Paul wrote, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been fully known. The apostle spoke of a time when the imperfections of our knowing here will be removed. And that knowing in part, that knowing each other in part, that knowing God in part will be removed. And the fellowship that comes with that knowing will be restored as God intended. You see, we know the Lord Jesus Christ now, but we know him in part. And so our fellowship with him is incomplete. And the same holds true with God the Father. We know our Heavenly Father, but only in part. And yet our fellowship with Him, because of that, is imperfect. And we know the Holy Spirit of God, but we only know Him in part. And because of that, our fellowship with Him is insufficient. But there is coming a day, as I stated, when that fellowship will be renewed and made complete. And the fellowship that we have with each other and the fellowship that we've never had with the saints who've gone on before us will be made perfect and complete. Fourth and final, the resurrection of Jesus Christ promises and even guarantees the renewal and the restoration of creation. The renewal and the restoration of creation. And yet, it will not really be a renewal or a restoration of creation, but a full and complete recreation. Romans chapter 8, verses 9 19 through 22. Follow along as I read. Romans 8, verses 19 to 22. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Roman Christians, For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will also be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. Note the power 
of sin. All of creation was affected by our sin. Creation longs for the time when God's people will become once again the Lord of God's creation as it was in Genesis chapter 1. Creation suffers from not being able to reach its ultimate purpose because sin hinders it from its ultimate purpose. Creation has become a slave to man's corruption and in doing so, it has become corrupt itself. Creation suffers the pain of unfulfilled childbirth. You women know what that can be like. I remember when our two daughters were born, the pain that Nancy experienced in the childbirth itself was intense. It was a horrible pain. It was an excruciating pain. And it only was relieved after our children were born. And Paul says that creation now is suffering the pain of childbirth. But it is a childbirth that continues on without relief. And there will not be any relief from that pain that the earth is going through until God recreates it. The Apostle Peter reflects on this in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 7 through 12, when he writes, But by his word, that is the word of the Lord, by his word the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not let this one fact escape your notice. Beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. Note the power of the resurrection that the earth is going to experience. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 3, the apostle John writes, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. There is no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And then verse 5, Behold, I am making all things new. All 
that was a part of this universe and this world and this humanity will be wiped clean of Satan, of sin, and their influence. The new universe and all that it contains will be as God intended it in the first place. And it will continue that way forever. So beloved, without the promise of resurrection fulfilled in Jesus Christ, we would all live under the shadow and in the grip of death on this planet forever. But Jesus conquered Satan and sin on the cross. He conquered death when he came out of the tomb alive, resurrected, renewed, restored, and the reigning King of kings and Lord of lords. And because of that, all of us can say, along with the psalmist, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is more than just a story of a dead man brought back to life. Father, there are a thousand different truths to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, truths that we can glean from the resurrection of Jesus, like the the perfectly formed facets on a diamond glistening in the sun are the glorious truths that come from the resurrection of Jesus. While, Father, our spirit may be downcast because of the coronavirus and because of the restrictions that we're facing, because of the limitations that we're experiencing, because of the things that we cannot do, we can rejoice today that Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And for all of those who know him, There is coming a resurrection for them when everything that we have lost because of sin will be restored because of the resurrected Savior. Bless us today and each and every day that comes to us as we continue through this time of trial in our physical lives. Bless those, Lord God, who have not contracted coronavirus. May, Lord, they be saved from being infected by this virus. And those that have been infected, I pray your blessing of health and of peace will reign upon them. And that, Lord God, they will recover from this very serious sickness. And those, Lord God, who have died, I pray your blessings upon their families. Give them peace in knowing that their loved ones rest in your hands now and that, Lord God, uh, they will someday uh, be returned into fellowship with them in the hereafter. Lord, we give you the day. And we pray that you will be honored and glorified in everything that we speak and say and do and the testimonies that we will bear and the fellowships that we will enjoy 
throughout this day because I ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen and amen. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to call on him now and through a simple prayer of faith, give your life to him. If you're not attending a church that honors the Bible as the Word of God, we encourage you to locate and begin attending such a church in the area where you live. The message you have just heard was preached from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. For more information on the ministry of First Baptist Church, Winton, please visit our website at wintonchurch.org.